Whoops. You stumbled into that leadership position. You had a big vision, big ideas, but it hasn't gone quite as you planned. You're in the right place. Welcome to the Accidental Leader Podcast with your accidental leader, Bo McDonald. Welcome into episode number 14 of The Accidental Leader. I'm your host and your fellow accidental leader, Bo McDonald. So the last few episodes, I've been pushing myself out of my comfort zone. And to this point, I've, I've interviewed a bunch of people that I know. Somehow, someway, I've worked for, I've worked with. So it's a pretty easy interview because I, I know them and, and I don't have to do much prep for it because we kind of know where the conversation is going to go. Today, I'm pushing myself out of my comfort level. By interviewing someone I'm not that familiar with. So I had to do some homework on this. Th- this was not an easy podcast to prepare for. If you were listening, I believe it was episode number 12 uh, when uh, Bob Quick was my guest on here. He was my former radio program director. So, you know, I, I think I mentioned in that episode that I, I knew that I was destined for radio greatness when I realized I shared a birthday with Howard Stern and Rush Limbaugh. I was going to be the third in that trifecta of January 12th birthdays that was going to be an amazing broadcaster. Not so much. It didn't happen. However, one of the things I've enjoyed is listening to Howard Stern evolve over the years and and listening to him interview people. I was able to take a page out of his playbook. I'm by no means as talented as Howard Stern, not even close, but I love how much he prepares for it. So I was able to take that page out of his playbook to prepare for our guest today, who I'm not all that familiar with, but I'm really excited to interview. I was excited that he, he accepted the invitation to come on because this is, this is a little bit of a different take uh, on, on leadership today. So our guest today is the vice chair of Miami EdTech. He's a mentor with Techstars, one of the co-founders of Black Men Talk Tech, and most recently where I met him, the founder of Kitty Credit, Evan Leapart. Three, two, one. For more resources and to listen to past Accidental Leader podcast episodes, visit theaccidentalleader.com. Courtesy of our sponsors, your marketing company and Uncommon. Evan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I am so excited about this because one, we don't really know where this conversation is going to go because we don't know each other very well, but I did do some homework. So we're just going to wing this today and we're going to see how we do. I think the best things come from improvisation. So let's do it. So give us a little background. You've got a, a pretty impressive resume. And, and you're not one of these old folks out here that, you know, you've been doing this for 30 years. And in such a short time, you've accomplished a lot. Give us a little bit of your background, just, just to start, so we know who you are. Yeah, absolutely. My, my background is rooted in sales and entrepreneurship. So not from, I'm not starting from when I turned 18 or anything like that. I'm going to start from when I was a kid. I was the kid with the lemonade stand. Uh, I remember in high school, maybe the latter years of uh, middle school too, but I, I I saw some of my friends burning CDs and I was like, man, I want to do that. I want to do it better. <laughs> so I built a computer from scratch so I could burn CDs and sell them to my friends. And, and that entrepreneurial spirit carried over into adulthood for me. And also I took a sales job early on too. I was a telemarketer. I was a really successful telemarketer. I was making more than some of my friends' parents. 
And um, I always, I always took a liking to those two pathways because they're for me, I've always felt that those are two pathways that have a direct correlation between how hard you work and how much you're compensated. Um, so my whole career pathway in adulthood is kind of volleyed back and forth between those. If I wasn't starting my own business, a kitty credits business number nine for me, then I was taking on a sales role somewhere. So that's, it's always been in me and I got it from my mom for sure. I love that background because being a podcast for accidental leaders, there's, there's people they're in various areas of their, their leadership journey. Some are, are experienced. They, they've been there. They've done that. But what I love about your story is, is for those accidental leaders that are listening, that are young, they have big goals, they have big dreams. I, I love your story because you put the work in and, and you're going to get somewhere. So let's talk about Kitty Credit briefly. And then I want to get into your leadership journey. So you kind of gave us your beginnings. But Kitty Credit isn't just this thing that you know you're working out of your bedroom trying to start up this business. Like this is serious stuff. Like you have investors. You've been through through some rounds with with angel investors. Like this is a serious thing that you've got going on from you know your lemonade stand years ago to <laughs> this. I want to know how have you been able to to sell this to people? You, you said you're a successful salesperson. Obviously, to to get in front of angel investors and get you know millions of dollars. Not an easy task. Tell us about that process. Yeah, it was it was a retraining of a lot of things that I I knew. The reason I come with my why and then transition into like how that's that's uh, transpired into this is I started Kitty Credit not because I was this you know financial guru or anything like that. I was the person that got that credit card at eighteen, maxed it out right away, and yeah, just spent my whole twenties in financial ruin trying to recover. Uh, and as somebody that had businesses in his twenties and tried to get loans or lines of credit, but it was always a challenge because of my credit score, just really vowed to build the vitamin, not the pain pill solution to the concept of credit. So that was the whole genesis of thought with, with kitty credit. Um, and then once it was finally out, you know, getting money for the business, because it was my first tech startup, you know, ninth company, first tech startup though. And just the whole concept of, raising money before the product's actually out in market and, and, you know, going off of that versus just balance sheet type of stuff was very, was a very different approach for me. Um, so I really had to learn on the fly. So there's a lot of terminologies. I didn't know that, you know, that Silicon Valley can just rattle off things I can rattle off now. Um, but it was a, it was a huge learning curve for me. So, you know, the, the, the parallel, characteristics that kind of pushed me through were always seek out people that are smarter than you, um, you know, continuously ask questions uh, and continuously ask for feedback. Right. So, um, you know, even when the app was built, I'll still ask it to this day and somebody's using it. They're like, Oh, I love your app. I'm like, that's great. But please tell me why it sucks. <laughs> All I want to know is like how things can be better. Um, and, and that philosophy has pushed me through. Um, and I think just doing things continuously you know, gets people over the hump to want to invest, right? So like our last round of funding, we raised like 1.4 million and had some uh, had some institutional VCs in there. And then we had angels like Dwayne Wade and Baron Davis, who I'm a huge basketball fan, so that meant a lot to me. Um, but even those, it, was, it wasn't just a, hey, great idea, here's money. It was, you know, these were, this was months, if not years of just continuous updating and uh, process and product improvement on what we were doing to, to finally get some of those people over to hunt. So talking about investing, I, when I first started 
investing in real estate. I, I remember the the first set of duplexes I bought. I was soiling myself because this was new. Now I I've got these buildings that people live in, and and what do I expect? And am I am I making a huge mistake? And and I enjoyed it, and I, I started buying more, and then I got into commercial real estate investing. But along the way, I've, I've always found people who have been there, done that, and tried to say, hey, let's go get coffee. I want to ask you some questions. You, you're successful at this. Most recently, the, kind of the, along the same lines here in the Carolinas, there's a group of investors that I joined. And the first pitch call I was on, much like you, I was hearing words. I'm like, I have no idea what any of this means. And I was able to just latch on to a few people and, and ask questions and, and learn. And I think the word intimidation comes up. I can only imagine, you know, when you take your baby, this thing that you, you've made and you put this in front of people, I, I've seen some pretty brutal pitches with, with some pretty brutal questions of, of folks who weren't prepared. Were you intimidated at all going in front of, of experienced investors and, and hearing these words and, and having to do this for the first time? I would be remiss in lying to you if I said that uh, I never feared it. Every, you know, it's, it's always going to be there. And, and the thing that I push through is the imposter syndrome, right? Like you hit a point where at first you're like, man, am I the right person for this? Like, how are they going to receive this? Um, so where you, you do it through so many times with repetition, like you start to see just people as people. Um, but that never goes away, right? It's more so about what is your response to when that feeling comes. Um, I, I, my whole pitch journey, I remember when I started pitching Kitty Credit, like 2020, that was really when I like, took it full time was during the pandemic. Um, I lost every single pitch competition that I did that year. Um, and then I had a, a good conversation with a buddy of mine. He's, um, does brand strategy for major companies. And, um, I told him about what was going on. He was like, man, you're, it sounds like you're letting your pitch deck tell the story versus telling your story and making sure the pitch deck matches it. So I went back in the lab and just made a whole made my story first. And then I made the pitch deck to just accompany what my story was. And then that year is 2021. We won 11 pitch competitions, right? So it's a continuous journey, but it never goes away. I got some pitches coming up in the next couple of weeks and, you know, the, the, the feeling's still there, but you have a little more knowledge to draw back on. So, you know, it doesn't go from, it's not feelings of insecurity. It's just those butterflies will still be there. I'm, I'm, I'm certain top tier athletes, even when they step out, there's still kind of that, that same feeling from when they were in middle school, you know, getting, getting ready to perform. So never goes away. You know, you think of athletes, you think of celebrities. Richard Branson is an example. I've been watching some of the masterclass videos and, and most recently the Richard Branson one. And you hear stories like this from, from huge people, from celebrities, from big names. And, and sometimes I think you can look at that as, as, a, as a leader, as an entrepreneur and say, well, that's a cool story, but it, it's, it doesn't really impact me because it's such a big name. And then you hear stories like this from, from folks like you and me that, you know, I, I failed this many times, but I didn't give up. And, and here I am, I'm, I'm making something of this. Not, I love sharing those stories on here because it, it just seems more real than, than watching someone like a, a Richard Branson where, where mm. you know, you can't really connect with that as a, as a smaller person like us. Yeah. And, I, and you, you need those. We need those stories along the way. I mean, I think you even see that nowadays with like marketing. There's the, you, you can get the big name to kind of push what you're doing, but there's a lot of focus around like the micro influencer, right? Like, you know, uh, 
do you want to have Kim Kardashian push your product? Or do you want the person that Kim Kardashian actually looks to for advice that maybe not everybody knows pushing your product? There's a lot of value in the middle. You've accomplished a lot. You haven't given up. You've been through some stuff. Tell us about the one leader who's instilled in you this, this ability to, to just keep going, to, to take these risks. If you had to look back uh, on your life, who's that one person in your root system that, that you would thank today for, for where you are today? Man, that's, that's a really good question. I'm going to flip it. And I remember, remember in high school, um, I was a good kid, a little troubled in my later high school years. But I remember one of my teachers telling me I wouldn't <laughs> be anything. And that ended up fueling me to do the opposite. You don't want to just remember the negative experiences, but like that, that definitely sticks out. It's like entrepreneurs don't like being told they can't do something. So sometimes that ends up being the greatest fuel. Um, but I, I think along the way, man, who's just like my, my father um, passed away last year was a very, he was a very impactful person um, for the fact that he never left a conversation. He, every conversation we had over the past decade was if he wouldn't be here the next day. Right. So just making sure that you're maximizing your time here and doing it with purpose and, and, acting selflessly less and, and, and less selfishly. Those are the characteristics that I resonated with uh, the most. And, 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 you know, it's, it's to be a leader of people, you have to be good with people. And there was few people better with people than uh, my father. You know, it's funny you mentioned that a couple of episodes ago, I had James Robert lay on with me and, and he and I both are, are huge fans of the study of stoicism. And a big piece of that is, waking up every morning and realizing this very well could be my last day. Not in a morbid sense, not in a pessimistic sense, but in a, how am I going to make decisions today? How am I going to approach today? What am I going to do? What am I going to say when, when things get tough? And, and gosh, you know, when, when you look at that, when you treat your day like that, when you treat life like that, really changes how you make decisions and how you approach risk. Yeah, absolutely. So if you had to if you had to go back, what was one of the most impactful things that that your father said to you that kind of set you on your way? It sounds like he he was a big part of of who you are today. If you could think of one of those conversations that that you always reflect back on that that motivates you, that that fuels your passion. What are those words? So my my dad did a great job at making simple things complex. So he would, he, he, for for example, what sticks out to me, I kind of say this joke and I would do it in his voice. You know, it, it was just some of the last moments, it was, it was sad, but they were, they were ironically some of the happiest. As you just say, there's two types of people in life. There's, there's good people and bad people. And it's like, it's simple, right? But then when you like quote saying like sometimes to distill something to its true essence can take a great deal of time and thought. And it just, it, it it helps you understand that, you know, as people, we evolve and sometimes we embody characteristics of a good person and then sometimes we don't, 
right? So that that ebb and flow of just continuously trying to be a good person, I think was what he was, you know, really trying to, to get across. So that was pretty impactful for me. Um, his his snippets come up in my mind like all the, all the time. So I'm, I'm certain at some point in this podcast, another one will come up, but that's the one that's because he would, he would continuously say it often. And you're like, yeah, of course. But when you start to think about it, you're like, yeah, that's, that's, that's true. One the, <laughs> it's one of the toughest things when you're put in those situations with those people to, to pause and, and remember that. Yeah. I, I probably need those words about three or four times a day, at least some days. <laughs> So a fun question. This is a leadership podcast. We're going to go a little bit bigger outside of your realm. And I want to know, Mount Rushmore, you've got to tear it down, put four new people up there. Who are you choosing? Oh, that's, that's a great one. Obama. Then I'll give kind of a reason for each one. Obama, uh, for it just inspired a generation of folks to, to see beyond what they ever thought was possible. I'm a huge music fan, um, eclectic. My dad was a musician, played multiple instruments. Uh, favorite er- artists growing up were, were, were Kenny G and Bonnie Raitt before I became a hardcore hip hop fan around like 12, 13. And uh, been a Jay-Z fan ever since. So just seeing his ascent would put him there. Steve Jobs. And fourth one is tough. I'm thinking that's that's the final one. Uh, I just got a chance to see Rob Rushmore like two years ago. It was really cool to see. So nothing to do with leadership, but I find it very interesting that you mentioned Bonnie Raitt because I loved her when I was growing up. I had a huge crush on her. And and I had just shared this with my fiance. We were at uh, Jazz Fest and I was talking about Bonnie Raitt. She usually shows up there in in New Orleans. And she just looked at me. She's like, Bonnie Raitt, how old are you? (laughs) I have to, I feel like I have to explain that to so many people. So I, I'm, I'm very happy to hear that I'm not alone in that. You're not, man. Went to two Bonnie Raitt concerts when I was a kid. Uh, oh, I, I found my fourth. Sorry. I, th- I, I thought I said it, but I think I said it in my head. Martin Luther King. So Martin Luther King, Steve Jobs, Jay-Z, Obama. There you go. Why Obama? Yes. I, I, so, I don't want to spend too much time on each of these individually, but I, I'm, I'm intrigued with the answers. So I, what is the why behind those? Yeah. So uh, to, uh, that's why I was giving the why. So for o- Obama, it was, I never thought, that being like, I would see the day where I saw African-American president, right? So like just the symbol of hope there meant a lot for me. And, and um, like, I'm not a, I'm not a person that's big into to politics, but I, I, I think of, I like people that attempt to try to bridge the gap because at one point in time, just given the way that our, you know, our country is, you're going to be catering to 51 or 49% of the people at any given moment, right? Just based on how we, you know, how our, how our voting system is. Um, so just trying to maneuver through that and, 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 and through society, like in doing it with the relative amount of grace, regardless of how you feel about, about the politics is something that I could just appreciate as a human. So going back to my, my father's spectrum, my father's spectrum wasn't red or blue. My father's spectrum was good or bad. And I just felt like it was a good human. Jay-Z just knowing where he came from to like ascending to, um, where he has and, and you know artists have the luxury of being able to tell their story right and if you listen to his story from beginning to end it really takes you on a journey some people just make music to make music but you know nothing about the artist 
Uh, if you listen to his entire discography, like, you know, his mom's name, you know, what happened to his dad, you know, about his brother, like, you, you know, you know about Beyonce like, and, and you've, you've seen it, right? Like you hear these, these ambitions of being a hundred million dollar person to be in somebody that just bought a $200 million house in California. Right. So like there's, that's inspiring to me. Um, Steve jobs, because of how he kept things simple. I, a lot of times when you see me, I'm wearing a black t-shirt, like, you know, the, the show Doug on Nickelodeon, Doug funny wore one outfit. Right. And he had his whole closet with the one out. Like he just, he kept things minimal. So it's like, you know, very, very big lesson and less is more, right? Like we had so many iterations of phones until the iPhone came out. And now all phones pretty much look like one brick with a couple iterations here or there. Um, and um, Martin Luther King, just for, you know, again, just thinking bigger, you talk about leadership. That was the ultimate leader there, in my opinion, um, you know, in the wake of adversity and things that were, going on just always tried to preach a positive message that was inclusive and um you know helped helped bridge gaps so um you know being on his shoulders you know i I think i'm able to do some things that without folks like him i may not be able to do so uh those would be my four kind of reflecting on those i've always found it interesting how you can look at someone while they're in office I, I reflect back on on several presidents. You can look at them while they're in office, and and you can say, "I don't really like this person because I don't agree with them." Mm-hmm. But when they're out of office, you can look back and say, "What an awesome leader that person yeah. was." If you take the personal politics and personal feelings out of it, and, and you just look at them as a person, and, and I've always yeah. reflected back on how cool was Obama. He he was yeah. you know, one of the youngest presidents we had. He always, you know, there was a, there's something lighthearted about him that he could, you know, make someone laugh in a, in a, in a tense time and the way he approached yeah. things. And you just take politics out of it and look at, look at him as a leader. Yep. You know, that's it's one of those people that you would just sit there and listen to for, for hours and, and you could sit down and have a bourbon with and, and talk sports and, you know, just a real human. And, yeah. you know, on the JC side, I absolutely love artists that are singing their story. It's a true mm-hmm. art form. There's so many artists that, you know, they have writers for them and they're just singing what's given to them and it's, you know, it's produced. You look at the artists like Jay-Z, a lot of blues musicians, uh, you know, they're, they're singing their story. And yeah. that's, that's so cool. And you know, the, I just read a book on Steve Jobs. It's called Becoming Steve Jobs. And it talks about his leadership journey from when he was a complete asshole to what did he <laughs> learn when he lost his company and mm-hmm. he was in this weird period trying these different things to when he came back to apple and what a different leader he was and how differently he did things not that he didn't have his moments but the yeah. fact that he got a second chance and he actually learned from it yep. so if you ever want a good read it's kind of a long book it's called becoming steve jobs but it, if you're a fan of him and you want to kind of follow his leadership journey of his transformation uh, it's an awesome book. I'll definitely get a read. There's one of his, uh, I'm trying to think if it was just called Jobs or, but there was one book I read like half of it, like all the way towards when he came back, back to Apple and then, you know, kind of launched the iMac, the iPod. But um, yeah, nice, no, amazing story. And down under the surface of, of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. that you mentioned, uh, number four going up on, on Mount Rushmore, 
I think one of the, he did so much great, but he's one of those leaders. He was also a broken person. And I think so many times we as leaders can look at our personal faults and, and, and our skeletons and say, I'm not good enough. And if you look at, at what he did, despite the brokenness, it didn't stop him. He carried on and look at all that he accomplished. And I, I think we as leaders sometimes look at our, ourselves and say, I'm, I'm not good enough. And yeah. it, it keeps us from accomplishing great things. And, and, you know, we all know the story, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., the great things he did. But when you read his biography and you read about his, his personal life, it really inspired me to know that, you know, we're not all perfect. You know, d- despite the, the great we do, we, we all have these demons. Uh, you know, Abraham Lincoln is another one. You know, the, the issues he battled with depression and, and some of the, you know, the, the demons that he battled, these great things that he did. But then you look at him as a broken person and, and what he had to deal with to, to make those things happen. And, uh, and there's some folks today that as they, they study his life, they say he may not have been able to accomplish what he accomplished without having to deal with that depression and some of the, the demons in his, his personal life. He wouldn't have been able to, to do it. So that's very inspirational. So I want to go back to, to Kitty Credit as we kind of wrap things up here. It's kind of your baby. That's your thing. I want to talk about getting investors. We, we talked about how you, you've sold them and, and how you've grown this thing. Because you know, in order to accomplish what you've accomplished, you have to get people on board with you. And that's one of the, the things that, that I teach in our leadership class at, at uh, the company I run. We call it FLY, Future Leaders of, of YMC. One of the things we do is we give them a project every year. And it's a project where they have to impact something in the company. They get a budget, but they also learn how to get people on board that you can't just go strong arm people and say, I need you to do this. You've got to sell them on, here's this thing we're doing. Here's why I need your help. And that's a lot of what, what you've had to do with Kitty Credit through that process. What leadership skill do you think is the most important that has benefited you in, in your success with that? Staying the course. You know, there's um, every year there's, there's something that's new or some topic that like a lot of people are going towards and, and you get shifted in that way. And just staying true to what we set out to do. And, you know, I'm not perfect in that sense. I remember when I first started out with Kitty Credit, I was like, man, what if the app taught you to save and invest? And, you know, what if it did crypto and, and like NFTs, like, you know, all these, all these things that I may, you know, do on a personal level. But I was like, but what did you really set out to do? You came here to effectively educate about the concept of credit. You know, there's that, that, that hasn't been done. We, we have, we have taught about saving and we have taught about investing at an earlier age before for sure. But if we really talked about this concept that affects over 90 million adult Americans that are considered credit challenge, meaning their score is under 660 or they have no credit profile at all. And it's the concept that 40% of adult Americans don't understand. Have we really just had something that focuses on that? And, and the answer was a resounding no. So it was like, just keep doing that. Uh, your, the right partners for you will come to light. Um, the right business model will come to light, but not being stubborn. So there's a difference between staying the course and being stubborn. So, you know, how we arrive may look different than the, the road we built out, but it's still the same destination. Um, so I, I would say that's been the, the, the biggest trait is just 
remaining a, a steady hand in the in the loftiest of times and also the most turbulent. As a leader, it can be so easy to get frustrated and just say, I'm done with this. I'm going to McDonald's. Yeah. And I ain't going to deal with this anymore. Yeah. Th- those, those days happen. I, I always encourage you know, entrepreneurs and, and leaders, find, an, find someone else. Find someone else that, that is leading something because those days you can say, no one understands. It can be a, it can be a lonely place. You're, you know, friends and family that, that aren't involved in that, they don't quite get it. So, so I want to flip this. And, and my final question, when you talk about leadership skills, what is the one that you really sucked at when you started this and, and you've had to really intentionally focus on and, and grow into through this journey? That's a great question. It's on the sales side. And uh, I've, I've came a long way with this because so having such a long sales history, like I, I'm going to give an analogy here. And it, I don't say this out of arrogance, it's just provide an example. But like sales, let's say I'm Michael Jordan sales, right? But Michael Jordan, the player, is, is regarded significantly higher than Michael Jordan, the, the GM, right? Like, you know, we was on the Wizards or, you know, Hornets, they're improving, but it's it pales in comparison to which top athlete, right? So, like when when I'm performing the role of sales, I can do that above average. I've I've been doing it for a long time, but building out that team around that and replicating that success wasn't the greatest. That so that was really where I had to look within and to say, like, hey, you know, if you can't duplicate what you are, then that's not the that's not great leadership, you know, um, especially in the sales room. So like, are you, do you need to hire somebody to build out the sales team? And then you just, you focus on something else and you just focus on running the day-to-day of the business. So just understanding how to communicate things that resonate with different types of people, processes that people can digest easily and replicate and use without any friction. Uh, those are challenges that I've had to work through and still work through candidly. I would say, yes, big so. That's one of the things that I, I really had to focus on. As a small company, everything's kind of up to you. And mm-hmm. where you excel is kind of the bright spot. And those areas that you're weak in are really noticeable when you're a mm-hmm. small company. When you get to, I guess, when you mature as a leader and, and you finally admit what you're not good at. And say, I need to go find someone who is good at this, and and I need to hire someone that's better than me to to fill this gap. And like that's when you really get to mature as a leader, and and when your company really starts to take off. If you're honest with yourself. Yep. So, final question is: We have a bunch of accidental leaders, just like you and I, listening right now. One piece of advice that that you would give them? Any accidental leader out there? It's not an accident. We are all born with significant talents and we uncover them, right? They say luck is not luck. It's just preparation meeting opportunity. So stay ready, stay prepared, and there will be something that comes along your way that allows you to show up in your best light. And preparation means things, things that you may not even remotely think are close, uh, a, a normal workout routine or like eating healthy or, you know, taking time for yourself and your, and your, your family, you know, reading books. Um, 
things that, you know, just shift you towards living in your purpose. I love it. Evan, thank you so much for taking some time today and, and being a part of this podcast. Uh, I've really enjoyed the conversation. Something else I really enjoy, I want to give you an opportunity to to share where people can find you because if nothing else, I always appreciate when I, I take some time and open up LinkedIn. And I, of course, I scroll through a bunch of posts in, in the industry that I work in, but I always find yours. Now, I always stop because um, the accountability posts that, that you put on there are always thought provoking. I, I love reading those. Your content is great. Where, where can folks connect with you uh, on yeah. social media? So pre- pretty simple. So for uh, me personally, it's Evan Leapart, E-V-A-N, uh, first name, last name, Leapart, L-E-A-P-H-A-R-T. That's pretty much the same across all platforms, LinkedIn, uh, Instagram, Twitter, and same for the company. So it's uh, Kitty Credit. That's K-I-D-D-I-E. And then that's credit with a K. So K-R-E-D-I-T, same LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, find us there. And I can't stress enough, just by default of the industry that that I'm in, that, that you're in, there's a lot of credit union folks listening. I would highly encourage you, check out Kitty Credit. We've gotten to know Evan. We've gotten to know his company. And, and I can't say enough about that. So if you get nothing else from this podcast, <laughs> just just look at Kitty Credit because you know what, what Evan was talking about. No parent wants to talk to their kids about money because most parents don't know how to handle money and they don't want to admit how horrible their finances are. And and I feel like kitty credit is that one step that you know you can you can be vulnerable. You don't really have to talk about money with your kids, but you can at least talk about money in general and and teach them good habits and not necessarily what the parents have been through. So I I appreciate your passion for that, Evan, and and we're going to keep supporting all that you do to. Uh, hopefully make an impact on the next generation with their money. Thank you so much. Thank you, bro. I appreciate it. And we're wrapping up episode number 14. Evan Leapart from Kitty Credits has been our guest today. Our podcast is sponsored by Your Marketing Company and Uncommon. You can find them online at yourmarketing.co and G-E-T-U-N-C-O-M-M-N. That's without the O, dot com. We'll see you next time. For more resources and to listen to past Accidental Leader podcast episodes, visit theaccidentalleader.com, courtesy of our sponsors, Your Marketing Company and Uncommon.